Welcome back to the WTOC Sports Podcast. This is WTOC Sports Director Lindsey Goff here. This is a March Madness edition of the WTOC Sports Podcast. We are your home for March Madness, WTOC is. So hopefully this podcast can help you guys get ready to fill out your brackets and win your office pool or be your friends, whatever you're trying to do. But I was joined by ESPN college basketball reporter Migrant Metcalf, and here's our conversation. Just looking at the big picture, um, obviously a lot of people are looking, I think, at the Zach. Um, coming in undefeated, which as a Kentucky fan, I would tell you don't get too excited. But uh, who do you think maybe has the best chance at making a run uh, in this tournament this year? You know, I, I do think Gonzaga was kind of given a favorable path. I mean, you look at who stands in their way. It's an Iowa team at two that they've already beaten. It's a Kansas team at three. They already beat Kansas. It's a Virginia team at four. They already beat Virginia. So this is so familiar for Gonzaga. I mean, it feels like this is all set up for them to make a run and to complete the first perfect season since 1976 when Indiana did it. So I think the opportunity's there. And I honestly think when you look at the bracket, like for me, it's, I think we'll almost be surprised if they don't do it at this point, because that path is, is definitely there for them. So much weird stuff too about this tournament. Like it's all being played in one place you're missing a lot of the blue blood. Duke is at home. Kentucky's at home. Louisville's at home. Uh, what's your big takeaway, I guess, just looking at the bracket, kind of your initial impressions of it all? Well, I mean, for the average fan, or even for somebody who's in the game, like, it's just weird not seeing Duke and Kentucky and, and Louisville. Rick Patino, I think you tweeted this, Rick Patino's in the field, but Kentucky yeah. and Duke are out. So yeah. I think there's probably going to be a lot of bourbon floating around Kentucky uh, in the next 24 hours. Can confirm. That. <laughs> because it's just not something you're accustomed to seeing. At the same time, there are some other incredible storylines across this event. Loyola Chicago is back in Georgetown, and Patrick Ewing has somehow found a way to win in the same school year when Big John Thompson passed away. Like So there are a number of cool things happening in this field. I guess I just wonder how, like, Casual fans will respond. Every major sporting event in America during the pandemic has taken a hit in terms of viewership. Uh, so I don't know why the NCAA tournament would be any different. And I think you take away Duke and Kentucky. I guess I just wonder how tuned in America's going to be uh, with this great event. It'll be interesting. And I know, you know, we saw teams even in the conference tournaments, like Virginia, for example, uh, had a positive COVID test and that you know, kind of derailed them. How do you think, you know, we've gotten through a college basketball season and um, it's impacted teams, no doubt, but we've gotten through it. How do you think that this tournament is going to go? I mean, there's close to a bubble, I guess, at this point as they can get, but it's still, I mean, there's just so, so many variables and so many moving parts. And, you know, that's a lot of teams. It's a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, the one thing we can't, like, measure, Lindsay is fatigue, especially mental fatigue. And I think that's the thing we overlook. Like, every team has handled this differently. Every young person who's had to go through this season has handled things differently. But for some of these guys, I'm sure they're in Indianapolis right now, and they're like, this is amazing. I've been doing this all year. It's nothing new. Let's go. But I bet there are also a lot of people in there who are like, I don't know if I got another – 24 or 48 hours of isolation, which is what you have to do now once you get to Indianapolis. Like, I don't know if I want to play a game knowing that I can't go and hug my mom and my dad in the stand. So I just think the fatigue factor is something 
we can't measure. And no one's going to say it in a blunt way during the tournament. But I think after the tournament is when we'll be able to have those real conversations with coaches and staff and players and say, like, okay, what was that really like? But right now, I just bet there are some teams that are so fatigued mentally, and we don't know it, um, and that's going to have an impact on what happens. Yeah, I, could say, I mean, the season's a grind anyway without isolation, so that's a really good point. I want to ask you one more. You mentioned the storylines. Before we dive into specifics, uh, you and I met covering Rick Pitino getting fired at Louisville. This man is back in the NCAA tournament. With, I mean, <laughs> I didn't think that we would see this day. I really did not. He went to Greece. I thought he was going to focus on his horse racing, his Greek basketball. I thought Rick Pitino was done in college basketball. <laughs> he's coming back like a 90s trend. Like, wh- what do you make of that? What, what are your takeaways? <laughs> my, my favorite rapper is Too Short, and he had about three albums where he was like, this is my last album, and then he would drop another one. And I feel like Rick Pitino is kind of like that. Like, just when you think it's over, it's somehow not over. When they said they were hiring him, I was like, wait. Rick Pitino? Yeah. You're going to hire him with all of this that's happening? Yeah. And then to see him not only get to the tournament, they had that crazy pause where they literally canceled their regular season just to get ready for the tournament. And now Rick Pitino. And I think this is going to be the story this week. He's going to be the most popular coach. He's going to have the biggest Zooms. He's in his element. Rick Pitino (laughs) is going to be the star of this entire week. And it's just amazing. I don't know how he does it, Lizzie. I really don't know how he's found a way <laughs> back into the mainstream. The man is a basketball genius, you know. I, you can say a lot of things about him, but, whoa, he can coach. And I just, I, just thinking about it. I know you said I tweeted that. It's just, it blows my mind. Honestly, I looked over, because we're a CBS station. I looked over yesterday, and he was just on my TV. And I was like, what is, what are we doing, you guys? <laughs> it's 2021 and we still got Rick Pitino on the March Madness show, but I want to dive into some specifics. The reason that I had you on, um, so our two regional teams uh, in the tournament, Clemson and Georgia Tech, uh, Georgia Tech, obviously fresh off their ACC championship. Uh, what are your takeaways for those two? I mean, I think, you know, I'm talking to Josh Passner leading up to all this and, you know, they beat Wake Forest late in the season and they didn't go back to Atlanta because they didn't want to deal with all-star weekend. So they stayed in North Carolina and they just were hanging out at a hotel in their own little bubble. Then they went to Greensboro, but they've just been on the road. Like they've been grinding. And and I think it's kind of brought them together. That's what Josh Pastner was saying. And then you have to imagine what they've been through. They're in the hotel and then they find out one of their games had been canceled because of a positive COVID test. They've just gone through so much. And I think that was the emotion you saw when they beat Florida State. Like anybody who's like, oh, it's not a real ACC tournament championship, that's crazy. You beat yeah. Florida State, it's valid. Like and nobody they had a rough start, too. Like they looked like one of the worst teams in the state <laughs> to start <laughs> yeah. out the season. And they, I mean, they've come together. They're hot right now. They're hot and they're dangerous. I mean, that's the worst team you want to play, you know, coming into the field because obviously Moses Wright, ACC player of the year. Uh, you got Jose Alvarado and what he was able to do. That was such an emotional and cool thing to see. That man shouting out, I think his daughter was in the stands, just the emotion pouring out of him. And that's what the tournament's all about. So I think that's one of those teams where it's like, 
you got to ignore what they did in the first half of the season because, like a lot of teams, this isn't a normal season. But how they finish the season, that's a team that looks like they can beat a lot of teams going into this event. And then Clemson, I think Clemson is a team where you go up, you can beat Alabama and Maryland and Purdue. You can beat anybody. Uh, I think Amir, Amir Sims is obviously one of the more talented players. I did some notes because I do like the 68-team first look thing for ESPN.com that takes over my life for an entire week, <laughs> and I'm so glad it's over. But I think uh, Amir Sims is averaging like making like 60.5% of his attempts off pick and rolls, like really effective, really dangerous player. Uh, and I think they may not have been the best ACC team, but I wonder what happens to a team like that when they finally get out of the ACC where you don't have to run into Virginia and Florida state and surging North Carolina. Are you more comfortable going into your first round matchup against a team like Rutgers? Uh, and I think that'll be the interesting thing to see. What do you think about the Midwest as a whole? Just cause I, I feel like there's some interesting teams in there. Like you got Tennessee, Oregon state is hot. I mean, it's, it seems kind of sneaky dangerous. Yeah, Not like the big college basketball names, but like low key, it's a, it's a tough region. I think that's like the sleeper uh, region. Like Houston's legit. I think everybody knows that. But if Clemson, if Clemson beats Rutgers and gets to Houston, I don't know that Houston's played a bunch of teams in their conference schedule that are better than Clemson. I mean, Wichita State's good. They're right. not better than Clemson, I don't think so. It's going to be interesting to see how they respond there. San Diego State, Syracuse is an interesting matchup to me. Uh, what happens there? You got Oklahoma State, the four seed, Kay Cunningham, the number one pick. But they put him against Liberty right away. And that Liberty team is the real deal. So he can't start thinking, and, and Oklahoma State can't think about Final Four. They got to get through that first-round matchup. You mentioned Tennessee playing an Oregon State team that got hot and somehow won the Pac-12. And I think the team that Georgia Tech is facing, they're going to be interesting. Loyola Chicago was a fun story three years ago when they made the Final Four. But they got like, sister team praying for them. I mean, <laughs> and she's still praying because that's the best defense in America in terms of efficiency. Cameron Crutwig, uh, he was a freshman on that Final Four team. He's playing like an All-American. They're going to be a handful for any team in America for sure. All right, two more teams we got to hit on. Baylor, uh, I mentioned to you, Davion Mitchell is a local kid. Uh, he's out of Hinesville here in our area. Um, and I said that to you, and you said to me, he's the real deal uh, when we were discussing you coming on. Talk to me a little bit about Baylor, because honestly, I haven't seen a ton of them this season myself. Yeah, well, David is going to make money at the next level next year if he leaves. I mean, he's a pro for sure. Uh, I think he's in the back of our first round on ESPN.com in the mock draft. I think that Baylor team is really, really good. I think the losses they've had at Kansas – and then the Oklahoma State, like, I don't read too much into that. You lost to an Oklahoma State team that was beating everybody. Like, that Oklahoma State team, the way they were playing, might have beaten the Thunder or something. Like, they were just unstoppable. <laughs> and then you lose to a Kansas team that's really gotten a lot better over the last month or so. The biggest thing with Baylor is they haven't had a lot of practice time. Like, they basically haven't practiced since they came off that pause. They had, like, a few practices, played Iowa State, nearly lost, lost to Kansas came back, beat West Virginia, and they've been kind of going nonstop, but they haven't been practicing a lot. So I think, and I had a chance to talk to Macy O.T. on Selection Sunday, he was saying that uh, they feel like this week is going to be great for them because they do get to practice, and they're going to be able to focus and prepare for a game 
which isn't something they felt like they've had time to do here uh, because of the pause. Our last one, Oregon, uh, Will Richardson, another local kid. They were actually like high school teammates. Uh, I think their sophomore year made a run at the state championship here. Um, any thoughts on the Ducks? Well, I mean, it's good that Will's healthy. I know he had the hand injury. I mean, that's a team that's going to be tough. I don't take anything out of the Pac-12 tournament and not winning that. Like, you're playing Oregon State. You're playing a team like that. They're doing everything they can. They're desperate. But I think Oregon's a team that got healthy at the right time. And I think that's going to be a squad where you know what they can be at their best. Always bouncy, athletic. But can they be consistent? Because I feel like that's been a big challenge, not for them, but for a lot of teams in that league. So I think that's a, a good team with the potential to make, you know, win a couple games. But VCU's tough. Bones and Island, Highland they're going to face in the first round is no joke. And then from there, you might have to play Iowa and Luca Garza, who is going to be the Wooden Award winner. So no easy outs for Oregon, certainly. All right. So we talked about the Zags. Do you have a sleeper pick that you want to throw out there? Yeah, sleeper. That's interesting. Um, I'll give you a sleeper pick matchup, I guess. Okay. I, be, I will watch Texas Abilene Christian. Abilene Christian is legit. Like Abilene Christian – forces turnovers at a higher rate than any team in America. Um, they are really, really good. And the way they pressure, that could be tough if Texas kind of unravels. Now, I think Texas is really good. But if they somehow beat Texas, and then they might have to beat BYU to get to the Sweet 16, I mean, that could be an interesting team, I think, uh, to watch. But this feels like Gonzaga's tournament to me. I still feel like they're better than everybody else in the field. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. It seems like they kind of got it set up for them, and I'm a little jealous. I'm a little jealous. But, <laughs> you know, I guess I'll sit back, and I can watch basketball that's not going to hurt my feelings for once. <laughs> so, <laughs> take some pressure off of me. I hope you get to sleep this month. Um, I know you're going to be very, very busy, so appreciate you taking the time to join us here in Savannah on the WTSC Sports Podcast, and uh, appreciate your time. No, anytime. Thanks for having me. And again, we want to thank Myron for coming on and joining us on a uh, very busy day. He had his own radio show to do. He talked to us on Selection Sunday that night. Uh, so a very busy day for anyone that works in college basketball. Really thankful for him and his time. Be sure and subscribe to us if you haven't already, and we appreciate all of you guys that already have. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you back on the next edition.